Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy, Johnny G, the number one fuckboy. John Gabris, all you gotta do is trust me. Standing six foot two, 297 pounds, from the south shore of Long Island, it's Gabris! Also joining me in the high my studios, my nearly silent co-host, Arthur Gabris. Arthur, give him a shout out. Arthur, currently watching Tiffany make flowers. Sorry that Arthur cannot bark into the microphone for you right now. Also joining me in the high mighty studios, oh, first time guest, big get for your boys here at high and mighty. From Dropout, it's Brennan Lee Mulligan. Oh, shucks. Thanks for having me, man. What a joy, an honor, a pleasure. Uh, couldn't be more excited. What an oh, shucks to follow. <laughs> oh, shucks. Why, I, thank you, Mr. G. <laughs> that's, that's what we call a real zag. You addressing the listeners as shitheads and me following that up with an oh, shucks. That's a real, you know, we try to keep you on your toes here. That's a page one of a pilot. It's like, now we know what both of these guys are like. Like, I've got it. I've got it sorted. I know how they're going to behave in every situation now. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Um. Man, you've been on my mind a lot lately uh, because we did an episode of Um Actually together and had a chance to catch up. But also, I booked recently booked a trip to Gen Con with two of my buddies for our 40th birthday. Like, we've been playing D&D together since 95. And uh, I'm like, they're like, uh, expert knowledge required to sit in on this game and I'm like oh fuck I am out of the loop and then I just keep thinking of like how many friends of mine are play D&D for work and I was like this is so funny that I'm like uh, like I feel like I have to audition for a D&D game at Gen Con it feels crazy <laughs> unreal unreal <laughs> so so strange well that's that's still the bizarre part about all this right is like I'm still playing I have, I have a home game with my friends from childhood it's been going for 13 years and 
I'm still doing it. I look, I, I'm, I'm psyched. I'm, we're, we have a session on the books for August and I'm getting prepped for that. But it is a bizarre thing to simultaneously be in the world of like, oh, yes, Dungeons and Dragons is my profession. And then also being like, yeah, but I'm still like, just truly, I am a 34 year old man and I'm on a group with other people who are all in their 30s and very established in their lives. And I'm like, yeah, for sure. We can play at my mom's house in August. Absolutely. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, <laughs> I got dude. you, dude. I literally had a Zoom last night with two other 40-year-olds, uh, and we were like, okay, hey, look, there's a second edition four-hour one-shot. Uh, maybe we should be able to sit in on an advanced second edition without any brush-ups. That, that was our fucking game. We're like, all right, let's go. We're like signing up for stuff based on our not. Like, it's like fifth edition is simplified, at least, from previous editions, so I feel like I can handle. We're talking Dungeons and Dragons currently, tabletop role playing games in general, but D and D being uh, where my bread was buttered for a long time, uh, and like fifth and three point five. And then I was like, it's crazy that people are also DMing second edition. That's like a D and D was my jam. There's there's like a big pop recently of people doing like the original box sets of like the, the like old old school rules the kind like of like campaign in a box shit like yeah, those things exactly. yeah like I don't know if they went all the way back to like chain mail because like the very first edition of Dungeons and Dragons this is something I learned in an episode of them actually was literally <laughs> like the the creators were like here's the rules for D&D but of course this is a game that you add on to a game that i assume we all own known as chainmail which would be like <laughs> which would be like getting monopoly and the first rule on the first page is like you own sorry right like yeah. you <laughs> yeah or like you you own boardwalk park place right the game yeah. that this is based on you're like wait i have no there's another one uh, that's wild i had no idea it was like a mod on something called chainmail yeah, because I mean, it's very funny, right? Because the original, you know, like you're like you're saying, right? So, so I've been playing since second edition. I started playing in 1998, and uh, the basically the way the game worked, right, is like now the game fully embraces being a tabletop role playing game, and there's a lot of things written even into the kind of main text of the main game of like, yeah, there's different ways to play. You can play very story focused. You can play very role play focused. You can play very exploration or combat focused. It's all groovy. The original creators of the game were coming off of war games, like truly like armies and stuff. And the big sort of like, you know, I guess innovation was what if we use these rules we love for war games and you were just running a single hero in kind of a more fantastical dungeon, moving away from kind of, you know, historical reenactment towards like, no, there's monsters in a dungeon and kind of arriving in this in this world of like you know it's it's this weird thing of of how like i don't you know i i, I don't know enough of the history to want to say it was fully an accident but there's kind of an apocryphal thing of like how the woman who invented chocolate chip cookies was trying to make chocolate cookies and would yeah. like it's like it's almost like oh we were trying to make a new war game and instead changed storytelling and collaborative role playing forever you know, yes. like, yeah, interesting. Right. Cause, mm -hmm. and who would have known what like people would take and run with it? Funny you say, uh, the different styles of play. Cause my first DM, this would put me in like sixth grade. So like 94 or something like that. 93. This dude, we played with metal miniatures, with lead miniatures, and, uh, we would each make a party. So I had like, f we each had four characters. So, like, so it would be like two play. Uh, 
for, it started with one on one, and then like another a kid would join, and then we would make like each our own adventurer party, sort of like in the vein of Final Fantasy, which was like a lead up to like where it's like, oh, I have a warrior, a cleric, a wizard, and a rogue myself. It's like, and then my friend would be like, I have two clerics, two warriors. We're like the tank crew, you know, and we yeah. would do and we would do stuff like that, and that was all because of the metal miniatures. I brought that to my other friends back in my old hometown who weren't playing D&D, but I was hanging out with all the time. And you know that phase when you're into something where you're like, if I don't teach these other friends this thing I'm into, I'm ditching them for life. Like, I, like if they don't get on board with D&D, I have no desire to hang out with them right now. I am addicted to Dungeons & Dragons. Like, I, there was a time in my life where I lost some friends due to their love of pot, and I didn't do You know what I mean? Where it's like, I get it. I don't smoke pot. You want to hang out with potheads? that rules uh i felt the same way so i brought it to them and we didn't have metal miniatures so we had little pieces of paper with like uh bruno cleric level three written on it and we were using because it was all about like you were saying the war game like staging the battle of like oh my two warriors go up to the door my clerics drop here you know like we would do all that kind of shit Sick. And then the first time we switched to just one character, it took me forever to decide on who to be. But then yeah. all of a sudden I was like, oh, well, I might as well talk like the Dwarven Warrior. You know, also, and then next thing I know, I'm like, this is the magic of the game. This is the magic is when you're one person and you get to just live in that character and be like, what would this guy do? No strategy, no considering what other people like. And that was when I the game broke wide open for me and I was like truly hooked for the next 20 something years, 28 yeah. years. No, I mean a hundred percent. Well, first of all, everything you're saying is like, yeah, because that weirdly I feel like I don't know what the shape of my life or even like my adolescent friendships would have been without the game. Cause I started running multiple games a week when I was 10 years old. So I went from, and this was like during a time in my life, I had to get pulled out of public school cause I was getting bullied so badly. I like, <laughs> it was like, you, you didn't know, even have to say this part based on the other part, but no, <laughs> I want your listeners to feel bad for me. Um, uh, no, well, we, we called it Dunkin' Donuts in school. Like, uh, we were like, are we going to Dunkin' Donuts this weekend? We would always talk about it as Dunkin' Donuts because no one could find out that we played D. We, I, I, I'm old enough that my mom was concerned that like we were like satanic panic shit. Like, so I was the kid. So I was raised in a very funky, cool alternative house. Like my mom was a comic book writer and she had been going to cons forever. So she, she turned me onto the game and also was the person who like, you know, it was like, okay. Like I had done uh, elementary school and it was like, the, so the summer before I went to middle school, it was like, nah, we're going to do homeschooling. There was just like a lot of kids, we're very hippie part of like upstate New York. So there were a lot of kids doing it. So even in the homeschooling of it all, there was, you know, I had like multiple classes a week with a bunch of kids in them because it was a whole network of people doing it. But my mom was essentially like, hey, I think you dig this game because this is also going to be a way for you to basically stay social while which is the funniest thing about D&D right which is it's it's origins are like this is for nerds and outcasts or whatever and then you play it and you're like this is the most social you will ever see 12 year olds being like no I have a friend, one of my best friends, one of the dudes who's going to Gen Con with me, one of the OG nerd herd guys, has like severe social anxiety everyone in my family has known him for 27 years and is always like he didn't even talk to me at the party. I'm like, he doesn't. It's like, 
But when we play D and D, you know, he's like, like laughing. He's he's like charging the Tarask and shit. You're like, okay, dude. Like people come out of their shell, and it, there is that weird role playing element where you're not yourself, and it's kind of like wearing a mask at an orgy where you're like, you might try something you wouldn't normally do because <laughs> you're hidden. You're not fully yourself. Yeah. I'm wearing the mask. It's another yeah. creature. But I think it's very funny you talk about that. Like, yeah, there's an element of of the war game and the combat of it all that was really transformative because it's a great thing if you're like again if you're a 10 year old and 11 year old boy and you're like you know at least for me and my friends at that time and very quickly by the way when i got to be like a teenager even around like 12 or 13 i started having like other girls in our like social circles would start playing really quickly right away which i was very fortunate to have but the i remember being really when i was first starting i was 10 years old it was very interesting for a bunch of you know, little sort of violent boys to have this game that weirdly coaxed emotions and role playing and performance out of you in these different Via ways. battles. Like in between, it would be like in between battles, you'd have to talk to the king about the uh, kobold head that you brought him or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and you're like, oh, okay. And like, if you're coming up via video games, you're like, skip, 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 skip. But when you're sitting at the table with your friends, you're like, I would like, you know, a flagon of mead for one Electrum piece, please. You know, <laughs> we used to have this trick. This is a little bit of a tangent from D and D, but it's other nerdy shit. So I used to work at a live action role playing summer camp. We would do big, <laughs> big foam weapons. D and D is not even doesn't even crack the top of the nerdiest shit I've done in my life. And uh, uh, you know, we these big foam weapons, you know, swords, and we used to run these games in Central Park for these like elementary school or like early middle school aged kids. And it was a very funny thing because you know we would say it was it was introducing the role playing aspect is the most challenging when you have kids on their home turf. When it's a summer camp, you have workshops and they're getting to know each other. And also kids are going away to summer camp. So they're it's you know it's like they don't have their stuff around, which just right. does this thing of everybody's a little bit more accommodating. The kids, the ego goes down a little bit. But if you're at a kid's backyard for their birthday party, you're going to see the worst behavior of your life. You know, it's like... Yeah, and you give them all foam weapons and you're like, okay, it's not about hitting each other for for yeah. violent, you know, for debt. Like, it's like about... Connect and all of a sudden, everyone's just like... Ah! Ah! Fully braveharting in the yard. Yeah. Honestly, the worst would always... I'm, I'm sorry to, to blow up a bunch of spots here. The kid's dad would always be the worst. The, whatever the kid, the dad would come out and be like, my time to shine. And you would just see him bursting through whatever midlife crisis was happening. A dad just. A dad watching their kid play uh, sports is, we, we know the stereotype. Now imagine the sport is a made up backyard foam combat sport. Foam combat. Just a dad clotheslining six year olds on a hot summer's day. I mean, that that's truly, that's truly like a Frank Frazetta painting of like a barbarian. <laughs> Sweeping through like minor, uh, like D four bad guy, you know, yes. half hit dice baddies. Exactly, <laughs> one hit drop, bam, done. Um, Give but, me the foam berserker sword and put me out <laughs> in a crowd of eleven year olds and watch the damage I could do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we had this trick on those battles that was very based on that kind of D and D mentality of like, oh, you start with the dice and the combat and the swords, but slowly but surely you you find out you're telling a story. 
And this trick we would do is we'd get some of the staff members, we would have monster masks. So you'd be, you know, you'd still be there in like a t-shirt and, and shorts or whatever, but you'd have this monster mask on and you'd have this big foam weapon. And we would just be doing these battles. No one's in character. It's, it's Everyone's just screaming and having fun. But you'd put these monsters on the field and you would set it up in a way that the staff knew if people approach you violently, just fight them. And and you have this huge reach and you're immensely tough. You're just going to slaughter these things. But if anyone approaches you and starts talking to you, they'll start to realize you're not inherently violent. And really quickly, these teams of deranged little birthday cake face, you know, sugar kids, freaks, yeah. sugar <laughs> freaks would realize you can convince the monster to fight for your team. And all of a sudden you're getting prithies and malords. Everyone's in character all of a sudden because there's this tangible battle related. So, you know, <laughs> like the amount of times I would have like some weird reptilian monster mask on and I'd see some cake smeared child try to speed run empathy to win a game of capture the flag of like monster don't you realize we're your friends please you gotta help us the other team they say they hate monsters like doing so. frantic intelligent wisdom checks is like very <laughs> funny like like powering through as if it's a huge feat of strength but it's just a feat of convincing a, a teenager to fucking swing on a different group of kids that's yeah, you that's so fucking that's so real too. That's such a realistic, relatable. So that the dorky kid that I uh, that first taught me D and D taught me and, and my other the nerd herd guys. We eventually left one of these kids behind for you know reasons that well it would become obvious to anyone who played D and D when they were thirteen. Yeah. Some of the kids you you let in solely because they do the same activities as you is like uh, you eventually have to distance yourself from said person. But he he learned from his older sister. And we were like, uh, always thought like, oh, he's like, we thought it was dorky that his older sister did it. Even though we mm -hmm. were currently doing it, we were like, oh, but this is for kids. And then he was like, hey, do you guys want to sleep over on Saturday? My sister's in town. And she would said she would do a little uh, campaign for us as a DM. And we were like, sure, no worries. We show up and she's wearing a cloak at the table. Now, I, we're like 12 years old, 13 years old. She's... 20 maybe 17 to me she is like you know when you're that age it's like it's either kids or grown-ups and like she could be 16 or 30 in the story and to me she's just a grown-up <laughs> yeah she sits down has a cloak on she's like gather round i'm rhiannon and i and like she played a wizard who was telling us the lore of what she needed us to do for our mission and it was like that's, she just opened the game with that. And she's like, now let's learn a little bit about who you are. And we made our characters at that moment. Wow. But just that little cold open, me and my friends who were like immediately, you know, uh, boy uh, misogyny slash like mm -hmm. homophobic, like we're immediately sat down. We're like, the fuck is this whack gay shit? And then mm -hmm. the second she was done with their speech, we we're like, I am Artemis. A, you know, like we were immediately all like, I will be an Elvin Archer. You know, we all immediately became like fully, and all it takes, and then you, and then we both also came up in the improv world too. Mm -hmm. That's the energy that I learned when you go to, when you, when you go to do improv, you're like, you know, just do the goofy shit, everyone else. You cannot be, you can be, you, 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 your whole team has to be cooler than that or you one person being cooler than everyone else doesn't work you just have to be as dork and whatever the word dorky means in this situation but you have to try as hard as everyone else or else you look like a chump mm 
So like I learned that in this instant where I was like, this is so whack. This is boring. And then next thing I know, I'm like, hey, can your sister DM next week? <laughs> like that was thrilling. And she wasn't as, as much of a stickler for the rules because when you're a young nerd, you're like like the math act, you know, like I in hindsight now with the with the di with the words with the vocab I have, me and this group of friends probably all land on a spectrum somewhere. So we were like so honed in on dice and damage and like if I dual wield, I could do more like and just all the math of it. And but when she broke us open into like the story and the character of it and the game just that just changed the game for me. And I, it, I, I guess you can mark a path from there to me doing UCB. Like it's a pretty obvious route. That's, I mean, that's a crazy thing too. Cause it's also interesting because we both did UCB, but I think at very different times. And it's a, it's a, we missed each other almost completely. I feel like, I feel like you were just starting out as I was just getting ready to leave to LA. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I think that's, I think that's exactly right. And cause I, I started like a year before they opened the beast or like dur right. during the year they opened the beast. That's when I, I started there. And it was a wild thing because I think like almost everything I've done in my life has that element to it of um, there are certain pastimes, you know, call them dorky, whatever you want, improv and Dungeons and Dragons certainly are the opposite of being cool. But it's a very funny thing because like you're saying, the instinct to do it, there's, if you have some instinct to stay cool you have some instinct of like well i'm gonna do this but i'm gonna do it a little bit tongue-in-cheek i feel like the hobby will destroy you because yes. there's because there's nothing less cool than trying to be cool during an improv set you want to look at someone who's like i'm a little bit above this and you're like dude you already paid for the class and you invited people to the show like if you're the coolest guy in the acapella group people dislike <laughs> you the crowd will dislike you like you cannot be the, the king of a tiny kingdom that way like it just doesn't work it's 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 transparent everyone has to be like equally committed and like i guess commitment commitment is what because being cool s s sort of like also means half committing because you're like afraid to like put your whole shit out there on the line right and that's the thing is listen coolness exists out in the world there's places <laughs> there's places there's places where you can be like removed and aloof there's places where you can be guarded and you're like wow look at that like guarded mysterious energy that's pretty fucking cool <laughs> if you have said come to my clown performance we're all you it, you're past it you can't get there and you know I feel like that it, that is where like funny goes to die I, I, I don't really like you having that that guardedness when you've already exposed yourself, and that's the thing with D and D. It's like by the time you get to the table and you're rolling dice, there's no what are you attempting to salvage? You're you sitting bought the here. Ticket. You got to take the ride at this point. You're you yeah, gotta, yeah. You got to take the ride. If you exactly. sat through character creation, it's like you got like you're in. Like there's no pulling out. There's no being cool now. There like, uh, and now obviously we're talking about this in 2022 where. D&D &D seems to be some sort of, I don't even know how to articulate what it's doing, but it seems to be like the way like ham radio was a precursor to something that is podcast now. Like, I feel like D&D &D is like a precursor to what we're seeing now, which is sort of like D&D &D role playing as sort of just like the cards of our generation, like 
the poker of our I, I know there is a, a, a old OG D&D podcast called Nerd Poker. And that yeah. kind of is what it feels like. We used to like watch celebrity poker. Now we watch, quote unquote, celebrity D&D. Like, uh, you know, that's you've been getting health insurance via that premise for a while. now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my it's God. It's a crazy yeah. world we live in. But then you see the types of people that are drawn to D&D and it, and it runs the gamut. Now that it's open, but the amount of like trans and non-binary friends I see like flourishing in D&D, it makes total sense. Like even through my myopic white cishet blue collar middle class New York worldview, mm -hmm. I knew I didn't fully feel like myself in that world. And D&D mm -hmm. let me be something more than that. And I was on a pretty much a... I feel like A and I think I should be B. And meanwhile, mm. there are people who are like, I feel like A and people want me to be Z or whatever. Like people are mm. making way bigger life changes and way bigger uh, like uh, understandings of themselves via D&D. But I felt it on such a small scale. I could only imagine like what that must be like for uh, the person who's in the closet of uh, doesn't feel like their own gender, but gets to. Uh, play D and D as a different gender, a different uh, race, different you know something that isn't them in some way or who they believe themselves. So it's such a rad thing to think about that this dumb game that was so dorky and derided might be the way for a lot of people to fully realize who they are, and that's fucking awesome. Well, as someone who's a, a million percent, like the amount of people I know who who played a D and D character or some sort of tabletop character. Uh, that was their actual gender identity before coming out, like, is so many. There's so many people had some, had their transition eased through that, or in a, a lot handful of, of people, like, anecdotally, a handful of people yeah. I know is like, I think I found out I was trans when I always wanted to play as the woman character in a game. Yeah. Like, and it's like, that makes total sense. Yeah. And there's, you see lots of different variations and versions of that. As someone who's worked with, uh, young, with with kids and worked with teens for a long, long time as a camp counselor, as a teacher, as a tutor. Uh, you know, the the big project of adolescence, right, is shaping your identity. It's why teenagers care so much about like their taste, like their music, taste in movies, taste in like what they like, what defines them. That's the time of your life when you move away from kind of like a parent-centric, family-centric worldview to suddenly like, I'm gonna be defined by my social groups. I'm gonna start you know moving in that direction. And what game, what's these sort of role-playing games, whether it's LARPing or it's D&D or it's many, you know, other tabletop games, what, I, I just talked with this awesome kid who's now heading off to, I say kid, he's, he's now, I believe, becoming a college freshman, but one of these awesome uh, young people that I worked with at camp who was doing his whole thesis, he was doing his senior thesis in high school on um, role-playing and it's a positive effect and stuff like that. And I remember talking about this idea of, uh, choice, agency, responsibility. We have a world, especially in classical education, where you're really on rails during childhood. And then you turn 18, you go to college, and we sort of have this abrupt, like, it's almost like those conveyor belts at the airport where you stumble a little bit as you get off them, where you're like, cool, now you are an adult, you have agency, you're responsible for your decisions, uh, don't fuck up, here you go. Right. Like, roll up to roll up to freshman year in college or, or whatever you're doing, 
you, are you, are you, have, do you know how to your, take care of your own personal hygiene? Can you clothe yourself? Here's the fucking laundromat. Off you go. And there's a reality in these games. And that's, that's just like basic stuff. Now take like, how do you treat people? Are you a good person? Do you have integrity? Do you stand up for your friends? Do you follow through on what you say you're going to do? And all of that can be really challenging because you have this period in your adolescence where you need to be honing your skills at agency and choice making. You need to be honing these skills, but you obviously can't be making the big decisions because you're still a fucking kid. So it's like you, there are a lot of decisions that it's not responsible to let you make for yourself. So these games come in, at least for me, these games came in at a time in my life where it's like, here is a fantastical universe for you to explore consequences and heroism and decision making and do you fuck something up and do your friends pay the price for it and you learn these lessons in these very real ways i know i'm like going on and on i'll just no I always I, look dude you are yeah. preaching to the choir here I, I i come from a very strict like cliche blue collar household of like can't do shit. Don't make mistakes. You know, spilling something is like you get grounded for it. Like and like, yeah. you know, just like that, in, that intensity. And that just was not apparent. Like in d d it'd be like, what do you want to be, Gabrus? Like you yeah. can be. And I'd be like, oh, I want to do this. Meanwhile, I didn't have to ask my parents for permission. I didn't have to. And my parents were very strict about everything. My, I was also the firstborn. So like they like mm -hmm. thought didn't know what to do with me. So they just keep bomb, 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 bomb. And so getting these opportunities, like you're talking about getting this agency as a kid, it felt so fucking freeing. And I don't know what it was about the fantasy world, but I was predetermined to like love. I mean, there's obviously it's the legends have been around forever. So like dragons and swords like work on humans. There's something genetically prone that we like that. But that's always been my fucking wheelhouse. I've always loved that. Like I've always loved the cliche Arthurian fantasy and all that shit. Uh, and so finding this game and then it's like oh cool this is sick oh i want to be a guy and then i was always like a meathead with an axe a barbarian a big broadsword and then eventually i'm like as i'm getting a little older and a little older meaning 15 or 16 i'm like well a ranger actually has like a higher calling because they care about the environment you know and it's yeah. like and all of a sudden i'm like and that's kind of, and like you're talking about trying on these personalities of like i like weezer that's me i'm a edm kid you know you're like that's let me find and even just amongst classes and races in D and D, you're like, oh yeah, I'm feeling like a little dwarven, you know, ba uh, battle rager right now or whatever, you know, and like just those little things where you got to be, and and the person sitting across from you, the DM was like, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, that's who you want to be. Go ahead, cool, yeah, that's how you want to talk. Fine, you want to wield a stick with a uh, that isn't a weapon, but you like your character is like confused and believes that they have a powerful weapon. That's fun. Let's do it. Who cares? That's fun. That's silly. That's funny. It builds the guy up. Let's let's do it. And like that was just so. And like I I I don't want to come across like over dramatic, but like that was so freeing for me as a kid who was like never allowed to just make a choice for himself. Like so like despite being home alone hours at a time, like even then it would still like anything I did would be would have repercussions but in the game it would be like i don't want to fuck over my friends but i do get to be and do what i want which is just like such a thrilling experience for a young 
kid. Well, that's actually, I think that's part of it too, right? Is it's great to be in a world where you have that freedom. And it's also great to be in a world where you can have consequences, where you do the selfish thing and see how much it fucks everything up. And you go, oh, got it. Like I was never allowed to do that because I was so on rails and I had all these authority figures and stuff like that. But while I had that oppressive structure on top of me yelling at me to do the right thing, I never got why it was important to do the right thing. And then I got into a situation with my peers and saw the actual price you pay for XYZ selfish or unethical or whatever behavior. Like I remember this is, this is like random tangents from LARP camp, which just have a lot of very fun examples because, because if, yeah. if if this podcast was exclusively a long tangent from LARP camp I would <laughs> sit on my fucking hands and not talk like that is so appealing to me so please go <laughs> we had this kid one time roll up at camp who you know every once in a while you get a little kid who's not that interested in making friends. You're like, you know, all kids, you know, you hope, you hope the kid grows up and learns the lesson and, and writes the ship. But you're like, hey, you kind of are pretty antagonistic towards your fellow campers. And this one kid was like, I'm going to betray. I want to be a traitor. He kept asking the story writers and game writers, like, I want to get all of my teammates killed. And 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 what happened is that we had a very smart story writer at that camp who was like, yeah, you can do that. Um, if you want to go join the bad guys, here's where the bad guys are going to be. And if you want to betray your teammates, you absolutely can. So this kid pops off right away at the beginning of the game, goes and attempts to betray. And the, the you know, villains, this like evil army of like undead or like, yeah, go, go get this magic item from your team. The kid rolls back up to steal the magic item, grabs it off the table. Four other kids his age draw their swords and kill him on the spot. And he, uh, and he, he like comes over and he's like, um, like he has this little ghost costume that you wear to go get a new character, like go change your costume or whatever. And he's like, he came, came up to me and was like, Hey, I tried to betray and everyone killed me. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's, that sounds. And so we've sort of learned about betraying now, haven't we? Yeah, you got you have to like there are consequences. <laughs> you have to look for people in the eyes and say, sorry, I care more about myself moment. <laughs> yeah. And it's like I was like, so, you know, this is not necessarily an, an like object moral lesson and like never do bad stuff. But I think you've learned that like this this thing that you were fantasizing about that, again, like you've never been allowed to do in your life. How many opportunities do like middle schoolers have to betray, like yeah. to commit treason, you know, not a lot. <laughs> um, and like the flip side of that one, I feel like is there was this one, this one kid who I think like you're talking about you playing that dwarven barbarian or you play that role that like opens something up for you. This kid rolled up. It's middle of July. We're at a summer camp. Everyone's got flip flops and tank tops on. This kid rolls up chains on the hot topic pants and giant corn shirt, you know, corn with a K. <laughs> I don't think it couldn't have been a real piercing because this kid was like 12 or 13, but had something like on like a fake lip piercing and like the sort of like jaunty little wool beanie boiling hot sun kid rolls up not interested in me, like very like loner. Like I'm not <laughs> having, I'm not having a good fucking time. Um, This kid rolls up in the middle, you know, like, First couple days, kid won't talk during morning check-in, won't like participate in a lot of the activities. And then in the middle of game, we have this intense game of like knights and kings, and there's like an invading army and all this stuff. 
And, you know, I, the kid had been really quiet the whole week. We'd, like, checked on him, just making sure he was, like, okay. And I was like, all right, maybe he's just a quiet kid. Kid rolls up to me in the middle of game, more deeply in character than I've ever seen anybody. <laughs> and he stumbles into our camp clutching, you know, a wound, like an invisible wound, but stumbles in. And it's like, sire, they have crossed the bridge already. I ran as fast as I could. And I and is weeping, real tears, weeping. And I go touch this kid's shoulder, and I'm like, you have saved this kingdom this day. You got word to us in time. And he just like falls into my shoulder crying. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Next morning, we're having like our story circle. And the kid in front of the whole camp is like, yeah, I guess this camp's pretty cool. Um, you know? <laughs> that's so fucking awesome. That's so awesome. Isn't that that's, sick? That, that's just the cool, like, that's fucking cool. That's like the power of it, the positive power of it. It is, it was for misfits, uh, but it is a way for misfits to, like, enter society and collaborative environments and stuff like that. A lot of people have been asking me where I get my cool shirts from, and one of those spots is Stitch Fix. Um, they are a sponsor of the podcast, and when it comes to looking good, they got you covered. You don't have to do endless shopping. They, It can be daunting. Like, this is how you get started with Stitch Fix. You answer a few questions about what you like to wear. Oh, this, 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 what you don't like to wear. Oh, yeah, I'm open to trying new styles. Then you tell them your sizes, and Stitch Fix expert stylists will go to work. They find items exclusively for you. I have this dope white Hawaiian shirt that I wore on the show. And uh, as a matter of fact, they sent me a few shirts. Three of them fit great. One of them didn't. And I just sent it back. They send you five pieces to try on at home. You keep what you love and send back what you don't. Shipping, returns, and exchanges are easy and free. Trust me, I did it. Plus, there's no subscription required. You could do it once or you could set up automatic deliveries. There are no hidden fees ever. I know some people who are like... Uh, work in business and need to get button down shirts and stuff like that. So they use stitch fix. Uh, my brother is one of those guys, uh, sign up for stitch fix and get the season's latest pieces for women, men's and kids. So sign up today at stitchfix.com slash mighty to get $20 off your first purchase. That's stitchfix.com slash mighty to get $20 off your first purchase. Limited time offer purchase within two days of sign up. Good morning. High and mighty listeners. I, just chugged an Athletic Greens because I'm recording this ads super early in the morning before I head off to do some stuff. And luckily, I already have a I already have 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, and probiotics and adaptogens in my system because I chugged my Athletic Greens this morning. Uh, see, I I dig it. It's an easy way to uh, you know get those vitamins in early on an empty stomach and get, um, you know, a giant glass of water involved. As a matter of fact, I might end up having two scoops today because I made a protein shake for later. Hopefully, if I go to the gym, I got to back it up. But look, it tastes it tastes good. It really helps with digestion. I feel like I, I don't know. I can't like, you know, but I feel much better in the morning. Look, it costs less than $3 a day. Uh, yeah. It's and the the thing I like most about it is that it's an easy buy-in for a very healthy activity. It's like what I like to call a momentum builder. It's like, okay, well now I'm taking athletic greens every morning. That's an easy thing for me to do. Now what next what other healthy behaviors do I add to my rep at this point? Like uh it's been known to help support better uh sleep quality and recovery, mental clarity and awareness. It even comes with a year supply of vitamin D, which is important to add 
to your uh, body. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No more need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash mighty. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash mighty to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Playing D&D with someone who sucks or someone who's new or someone who's really good or someone who plays by different rules, nothing prepares you more for like labor, <laughs> like, for, <laughs> like for like entering the workforce than having like one of each archetype join your D&D game at some point because then you're in. Then you're in college and you're in group projects and it's like, this person's going to steer everything. This person wants to just come in at the end and get the loot. This person wants, you know, and you just, and you feel it in the group projects and you're like, holy shit, we're still, we're still all here. We're all still these dumb archetypes. Yeah, that is so such a real a real part of it too. And you realize too that like in those different ways that people can find themselves through these games that... Uh, there are a lot of those skills that you can take, you know, I've, I've DM'd for a lot of people and there's, this is also very, I think, interesting in, in comparison to improv too, where it's like improvising with incredible people is, I guess, easier than improvising with like novices or improvising with bad people. But there are parts of it that are just challenging in different ways. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 if you're in the middle in between awful and excellent, mm -hmm. it's equally hard to improvise with excellent as it is to improvise with awful. If you are excellent, I think it's easy to like it doesn't hurt you to improvise with anyone. And you might have less fun. Like it's sort of like being an elite level marathoner and going for like a little 5k with like at the turkey the turkey trot or whatever and you're like Okay, this is not ideal for me, but I can hang and I can talk and I can make sure these guys, these people finish over here and shit like that. Yeah, exactly. but in the middle, you're right. It's like it's equally difficult for different reasons. Like you know, and you're in your head for different reasons and shit like that. I remember the first time. I don't know if you've ever if you've had like an experience like this because it was very when I so when I was coming up at UCB, my entire life because I was bartending. And the the one thing I looked forward to every week was the Wednesday night improv jam at UCB East. It was eight minutes with it was an eight minute set with 34 people on stage, you know, some incredible yeah. <laughs> like you'd get a scene, maybe a scene and a walk on on a great night, you know, and I, I it was that was the highlight of my week It was the grandma's ashes uh, jam and. I looked forward to it so, so much. But what was interesting about it was I really cut my teeth there at that jam, right? And I was taking the classes while I was doing it. And I quickly realized what the kind of hosts were doing. And I was like, oh, they're really helping people succeed here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lean into that. And I was taking taking the, the, the core classes. So I developed this style as an improviser of like, I'm really gonna lend a hand. I'm gonna make sure that people get their ideas. I'm really, I'm gonna really support people. And then I remember getting placed on a Herald team and having this attitude of like, I'm gonna get out there and really support people. And I had seven light speed geniuses on my team. And I kept fumbling and I was like, I don't know what and I remember just kind 
kind of like realizing or even like talking with a friend of mine and being like, yeah, dude, like obviously like there's the improv concept of support, but none of these people need your help. Like, right. you know how you can help out? Be fucking funny every time you go out. Like, <laughs> right. just like yeah, you just play, play. This is the rules of this game. This is how we play. This is Spelljammer, not Forgotten Realms. You know what I mean? Like, we're yes. moving fast here. We're, uh, <laughs> Yeah, like uh, uh, fuck initiative. We move like you know. You like learn the table, ro- the tables rules, and you're like, oh, this is what they need here. You know, even even on like the RPG level of it, it's like they we they didn't need a cleric. They needed an eighth rogue. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they like we we uh, clerics like gonna waste time trying to heal us. Waste time trying to we we have seven fucking dual wield rogues just join just be another be an eighth or be something that can hang with this like elite and like that that's i think another thing what i really ended up loving about improv and like even arguably sports like it all comes from that role playing of like you know like the big beefy strong guy the light skinny fast person the Mm -hmm. you know mario brothers 2 luigi jumps high princess jumps far you know like all those different skill set things like uh I was obsessed with uh, special forces growing up, like Navy mm-hmm. SEALs and Green Berets. And that's like the radio guy, the medic, the, the, like it all unpacks to RPGs like at the end. Do you know what I mean? At the end, it's just Black Knight, Red Knight, White Wizard, Black Wizard. You know what I mean? It's just like it. And for me, so much enjoyment comes in there. And you learn to you see you start to learn to where it's like we don't need eight fighters like we don't need eight this like we can like and you and you you see that in life when you're like oh it, it it's just <laughs> I'm describing like have uh, meet different people in life but like you you understand you like learn to love that about like oh yeah there this person is arguably difficult to do scenes with on my improv team but people really like uh what they do and they do choices that i can't wrap my head around it's like having a fucking necromancer in your party where you're like okay like we don't like that you bring these skeletons but to be fair you help us beat the goblins so (laughs) stick around bro you know and it's like bring that energy to like everything in life in a cool way yeah i want to play (laughs) <laughs> let's play let's play um yeah i love it I'm, I'm trying to think of like what is that that human desire of like because i feel the same way there's nothing i love more than like oh here's a team where everyone's got their individual contributions and there's just something so gratifying about the idea I, like even thinking all about like it heist movies like everything ha- everything fits in that dynamic that i just love so much of like of course we need a tiny asian gymnast of course we need like a charming even the fast movies fast five had even they like shoehorn that in it's like he's the fast talker he's the explosive expert but it's really just like here's 10 personalities in cars but like i Mm -hmm. love that world of like those those dynamics of like shit if we're gonna get this done we're gonna need like a brennan lee mulligan type in here you know what i mean like it's like we gotta add them to the party like this there's no way this happens otherwise you you gotta and i I always love it's it it makes i never there's certain tropes that i never question because i just love them too much and literally the idea of planning a heist and being like, well, we're going to need 11 different types of jobs. And you're like, really? You can call that from here. You can call yeah, that from- it's so awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, I just love that so much. Um, and it's funny, like, you know, like what, what 
came first. Is that something instinctual in people, like the idea of like everyone brings something to the table, or is that taught to me via role playing games, like tabletops, where or role playing video games, where you're like, oh shit, you need a a, a spellcaster and someone to take hits, like you know, like you. I feel like. Where does that because it's been it's existed in society, Magnificent Seven, Oceans Eleven, like these things have been around predating D and D. Uh, you know, like I guess even the makeups of like platoons in the military are like, well, we need a medic and a radio person and a probably a heavy we need someone on the saw, we need someone on uh point, mm-hmm. we need someone who's got the flares or whatever. You know, and like I just like love I've always loved shit like that. Well, I think that there's a part of that that is, there's got to be some human kind of part of that, right? Of like specialization and the fact that, you know, as a civilization, like past a certain level of complexity, you go like, hey, I can never like, you know, at what point in human history did we really get to a point where we go, it is now impossible for an individual to hold all human knowledge, (laughs) <laughs> like a long time ago, we passed that. We passed that point a long fucking time ago right. to the point where you go like, you know, it's good to know a little bit about a lot of things, but fundamentally you trust your doctor, trust your mechanic, trust right. the person. Like you got it. Like there's a certain thing where you go like, what are you going to, it's almost like my least favorite quality in people. I, there's a few people that do this and it's my biggest pet peeve in the world of people rolling up to a situation they are brand new to and chiming in within the first like hour of like, well, why do you do it this way? Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be better to do it this other way? Like you've never worked in a restaurant, you never worked in a restaurant, you walk into the kitchen and you're like, wow, now you have this warm stuff by this cold stuff. Isn't that going to like, wouldn't that now don't you you just got to just sit down and play the play by the fucking rules for a little bit. Then you're allowed to pitch your fucking vert. Like you're that's the realest shit. And my wife is that type of person. Like she will literally be like, oh, what are you doing? Why don't you just have it like, and I'll be like, no, no, it's like, I know there's, it's there for a reason. It's like for a reason. Ah." Yeah. It's just the the idea. It's to, to me, I I know people are trying to be helpful, but people don't see the, 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 I'm incredulous at the hubris of like, you have gotten a look at this complex system. You we're not even done with your first blush of what you're looking at here. And already you think you've cracked. It was, I mean, to go back to improv, I, I taught a crazy amount of classes at UCP. There was a year where I taught like 20 25 intensives. So I spent like half the weeks in the year teaching all day, every day. And it would all, it would always boggle my mind where someone would pop off somewhere in one Oh one and be like, now I have a, I have a question about yes. And what doesn't it make more sense to, and you you would just want to go like, I don't want to dismiss what I'm going to answer your question. I don't want to dismiss what you're saying out of hand, but as a, as a thought experiment, what are the odds that you cracked this whole art form wide open on day one? If you had to put money down on it, like, <laughs> oh, I never even. Okay, hold on. Let me. Yes, Besser. Hi, I got a student here who's saying maybe saying no could be funny. Yeah, put him on. Okay, <laughs> it's now the to... UCB five. Okay. <laughs> He wants to talk to you. Um, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, it's that's 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 the realest shit too. Like, like, and 
people have that instinct. That's that's good. You see something, you want to try to improve it, or you want to find a, a way to do it better. You want to, uh, you know, make it more effective, more efficient. I love that, but also understand where you are. Like, there's no point in teaching the West Coast offense to your team on the two minute drill drive. Like, it's like, yes, we're driving. It's not like, whoa, whoa, we should do shotgun. It's like we never practice shot. It's like, well, how hard? Like, just do it. No, no. No, mm-hmm. just fucking let's no let's do what we know here. Uh, yes, it's uh, now. There's another thing we're kind of uh, talking about here that I really enjoy about tabletop D and D's using that as the main specific, but the fucking rules as like just like just like improv. It's like this is how you can make sure that a campaign goes kind of smoothly or like this is how you play D and D it's like saving throws, Thacko, this, that. And you're like, yeah, there's those basic rules. And like your character has to sleep before they can do more spells or whatever, you know, like all these minor, but outside of that, it's sort of like, and that's like what real life really is, is like, Hey, you can't like run over your neighbor. But other than that, you can kind of drive like an asshole. You can kind of drive whatever car you want. You can kind like there's these yeah. like and so like D&D plays in that way that I enjoy where it's like we're still playing a game here. But everyone is it's not just like total fuck around free for all. Like I I love that there's like the understanding of like, well, we still need to rescue the innkeeper's daughter. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, okay, yeah, fine. We can all, you are a, you know, time traveling snarf. Uh, I'm this. You're, we're all fucking whack jobs, but we got to get the innkeeper's daughter, dude. <laughs> like, and I just love that, that love yeah. that layer. Yeah. Uh, of the, yeah, these sort of like core structures that come back over and over again. First of all, I can tell you've been playing D&D for a long time because you get to a point where you're like, I got to play a time traveling snarf. I've developed, <laughs> I've developed right. a tolerance. The old shit's not cutting it for me anymore. Right. <laughs> I need to be something truly fucking bizarre to get the yeah, high. You're like Michael used- Jackson taking that fucking crazy ass <laughs> drug to go to sleep. Like, you're like, nothing will knock me out. Nothing gets me up for D&D. Well, and D&D knows that, like, I was growing with the systems and they would constantly be like, "Uh, well, you could be a fighter mage. Oh, and you know what? There's also now there's specialization. And that's when I thought D&D took off because that really helps you. Make characters too. I feel the, like the life cycle of an edition of Dungeons and Dragons is they start with a set of core rules. They publish more books because that's the business model of the company. They make cooler and cooler stuff, and then eventually it gets to a point where the game effectively putting it putting it to you this way. A, a person who knew the basic rules of D&D 3.5, making a 20th level character versus one of my freaky ass friends from our 13 year home game making a 20th level character, they're not playing the same game. Right. Um, the last combat I ran where half the party's now at 20th level, the game's been going for 13 years, right? Um, we spent two and a half hours resolving um, a m- moment of less than a fraction of a second, which was eight series of readied actions unfolding in a blink of time because of a weird initiative thing and a celerity spell and a time stop on a mage's disjunction with an arrow firing with a dispelling bolt. And it was literally, we all knew we're going to resolve this single action. And 
either the villain will be dead having not taken a turn or you will all die if their initiative order is allowed to happen. Like that's the level of brokenness the game gets to where it's like, we're not even dealing with damage anymore. It's we're we're past that. (laughs) It's like, well, technically he has that gauntlet that resurrects him as soon as he dies anyway. (laughs) So like, you know, like there's always like the one magic weapon that like, or magic item that accidentally broke the game. You have a little bit where you're like, yeah, I mean, I guess you can use it to throw at the bat. Fuck. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it just makes sense. The the designers of D and D do an incredible job forestalling this. But it's just as a system gets more and more complex, all the it's like you make a maze, but you're making a maze that thousands and thousands and thousands of people are going to be running through. What are the right. odds that one of them's not going to discover that you know something? Right. There's a secret door here. Bloop, and you're like, well, shit. There you go. That's one the of end the, of the maze. One of the guys in my in the nerd herd uh, is like famous. For for breaking every game we play like because he's because i think he he's the most anti-social out of us he's like he's the one who i think is like in the numbers game like when we would play mm-hmm. star wars customizable card game he would play a dagobah deck which was like not fun at all but impossible to beat yes. and he would barely enjoy playing it and, <laughs> but he would win and then like when we played diablo he's like exclusively seeking out some set for an exclusive, like a very specific hit, uh, do this trap, this trap, this trap, this attack is like the best way to get the maximum amount of damage with this character. And like, and like he just, he does. And he did that with D and D he did that. And it was like, that's a very, you have someone who's like constantly like, let's steer this ship into the storm, you know? like, and it's like, it's an enjoyable level but it is like not how i play the game well you have to have some kind of reciprocity there like in my home game everybody's doing that so it's fine we just make a broke we're just we're playing a broken game but we're all broken in it together and they get it right and it's like cool you guys can kind of functionally kill gods now i'm gonna have (laughs) you fight a lot of gods like that's where we're at um but but um when when it's lopsided that's when it gets a little bit tricky although i will say like I find my, because I love that crunchy numbers part of the game as well. I love every part of the game. I love the story part. I love the role playing. I love the exploration. I love the combat. And for me, loot, loot, loot. still loot still feels great. It still feels <laughs> great to loot. You throw some magic items. Everyone loves to find some magical shit. Um, but with within that, right, uh, I just made a character for this one. And I feel like I'm the most guilty of this in one shots because I'm, I'm a forever DM. I almost, I've never gotten to play in a long campaign. I've never gotten to play like, 20 plus sessions as a, as a, you know, and so for me, when I'm in a one shot and it's like, you know, you, sometimes you don't even get a world background. It's like, I just make a character and I have nothing to go off of. There's no like, you know, whatever I go like, all right, well, all I have is the mechanics. So let's go buck nasty. I made it, we were, we were in a 20th level one shot and I made this rabbit folk multi-class adventurer that was a he had five multi-classes so it was ranger rogue fighter paladin sorcerer and his average damage output on round one was north of a thousand um (laughs) (laughs) uh hey thanks for sitting in with us brennan uh (laughs) 
You just nuked the fucking Lich King. Uh, all right. Well, thank you for that. If you don't want me to make the rabbit superhero, then don't give let him be that. Yeah. yeah, you know, give me a little world background. I'll put some flavor in it. You know. Yeah. Um, but uh, but so oh, I do- I've never played a game where you start at a high level. That's really intriguing. Like that's cool because I never got I and you, I was a DM sometimes but mostly a player and i we the guy who would be a dm would be like he a mercurial dude uh another guy who eventually dropped from the nerd herd for mm-hmm. re, re, for traditional substance abuse reasons uh and <laughs> <laughs> you don't need a dm who's trying crack uh so <laughs> i ran in some weird crews um <laughs> But we eventually, he was so mercurial that like we would only get four or five games by the same character before he would have like a meltdown about something that went, or one of our characters would die and it would be like, we would feel bad for that person. They didn't want to make a new one. So we'd like all reset. Like for whatever reason, I never had a super long campaign and I never had one where it's like, everyone starts at level nine. What do you want to do? Like, how do you want to do that? Like, for sure. And so that, that there's an appeal there. I want like, I'm hoping when I go to Gen Con, some of these four-hour one-shots are not like level one uh, one-shots. I'm, I'm going to try to sign up for a bunch just to get some DM flavors. And and I see there's second editions, there's 3.5s, and there's fifths. Uh, I feel like I could kind of handle any one of those three comfortably. I can't play yeah. it. And and I, I know how to play Call of Cthulhu because of Jared Logan, and I've done his like thing a few times. Stream but of like, Blood, yeah. Yeah, I don't, have any, I don't really have any other tabletop knowledge like i never played pathfinder i played some mage with the crew out here for a little bit uh but i never played like spell jammer or even anything that wasn't like in the D world like i never played like gurps or shadow run or ravenloft or anything like that yeah there's do you have other favorites in that world do you have i other do shit? listen i loved mage the ascension back in the day the world building of mage the ascension is so so cool like the, some of the, the the version i was playing there the rules were um you the, you miss some of that definition because because it was such not a combat centric like power game that it tended to gloss not maybe gloss over is not the right word it was so clearly not about what's the cool magic I can do. It was sort of like, well, that's a, you know, roll some dice, determine that between you and your storyteller. And I think at the age I was playing, I was a, like a sort of a younger teenager. I wanted more like, can I shoot fireballs? You know, yeah, like slash this bitch. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. So, uh, well, yeah. Uh, so I, if I remember correctly, mage is one of those things where you have like a bunch of different skills and it's all like saving. Uh, it's all like checks. And it's like, you you choose an action and the storyteller or the DM, whatever they're the GM would say something like, Okay, that sounds like a uh, you know, constitution, eyesight, and precision, like all yes. of, like and built based on what the and so you would be like, Oh, you made it without the constitution. So you dot you did this like and and it's like and to me I was playing uh, re- like not too long ago, a few years ago with some improv heads. So yeah. that's like that's like where the game gets a little fun too, because you're like now you're telling the story of like, well, he nailed these two checks and failed this one. So what would that? How would that action look play like? Out? Yeah. yeah, and that and that's kind of like a fun and like that's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I guess you can try that. Let me do do luck, strength, and uh, you know. In, like hand to hand, whatever, like whatever the dumb skills are. And it's like that, that plays in a very fun way for that reason. But I think 
if you're if you're at the I want to kill an orc level like that, you're going to be let down by that by that game personally. It, I think it's very interesting, and I think some of those storytelling games hit on like of those games. I actually really. I loved the world building of mage the most, but I think the system for vampire was kind of the most defined. It made the most sense because there were certain things about, about playing a mage where you were like, Oh, I have like world bending powers, but it's a little bit almost like too much of a conversation about what I'm capable of doing. Like I want, there's something nice, there's something nice in really defined systems. Like in D and D's magic system, it's possible to do really clever shit. Cause you're like, Hey, these are the rules as written. I know I can get one over on the DM because all this shit is pretty black and white cut and dry. Right. And that's, and that gives you the feeling of being a wizard. I think, right. It gives you the feeling of like, I, Oh, I did something. I remember one time, once again, an anecdote from LARP camp, um, we were we were running down a highway, running down this road away from these enemies that were coming to kill us. And um, the person riding on the horse, and there was a person riding on a horse. Now, let me tell you something. I've LARPed with real horses a couple times, and it's always pretty fucking stressful because you know what? The horses don't know that they're LARPing, okay? They're... They're horses and it's, <laughs> and it's freaky and I don't care for it. And no offense to people that love horses, but please keep your horse away from me. Um, so we're, we're, you know, we're running away and this person is galloping on a horse towards us. And I have like kids on my team with me. So I whipped around and cast a fear spell, knowing that the person on the horse was, um, probably like immune to magic or something else like that. So I turn around, blew this horn time stop cast a fear spell on the horse and called it out and was like you there the horse you know like he's scared now he's scared. <laughs> being out gripped by arcane fear and fucking and for real get the fucking horse out of here and and uh that feeling of like a very defined magic system and and when that when this you know the spell came out, the person like whipped the horse around and rode away. And it was that thing of like, cool, that 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 makes me feel like a wizard to like have made the right call in a weird moment of like, yeah, like you're immune to magic, but your horse isn't. So that's how I'm gonna get you out of here, right? Oh, hell um, yeah. You know, like and I think there's some systems that are more um ambiguous, and that's cool, but it can it, sometimes it's like, oh, I I I want those crisp edges. The crisp you know edge, I mean? the 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 guard, like finding your way around the rails in D and D is always fun, and or also like, you know, you're just like, sometimes you're like, yeah, I fire my bow again, I fire my bow again, I fire my bow again, and you're like, I hope I get some hits, and then sometimes you're like, can I shoot the lantern that's outside? And you're like, yeah, I mean, sure. It's like. Okay, well, uh, like, and then you're like, can I cast a magic missile as I, you know, like you, you like try to, and the, the DMs are either like no dice or like, hey, fuck it, let's, uh, this one time you can, unless it's <laughs> becomes a fucking issue, and then we'll cut it out or whatever. No, I love that. I mean, and that's very fun too, especially when you're doing like actual play stuff. It's great to have people mix up their turns and try to like do cool, creative stuff rather than having something where it's just like two sacks of hit points wailing on each other with the same move every round. Right. You're like, uh, I swing my club this round. I swing my club. I swing my club. Has it been three rounds? Okay, cool. I do a mighty swing or now I can wait and do that again in three rounds or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I will say as a caveat to that though, when I'm playing and there's no cameras rolling, 
I'll do, I love swinging my club every round. I'm like, this is the most optimal move. <laughs> like, oh, I'm the yeah. If I'm not if I'm not performatively playing D and I'm just like, I stay in the back and fire my ball. Like, yes. I played with a dude uh, who uh, was kind of new to the game, but uh, he was kind of pushing for us to play, and yeah. you could see that like his background in this world was video games in a way because he was like he wore a suit of armor. And shot a bow and never like entered the fray, <laughs> never entered combat. Like God, I was just like, so I was funny. like, oh, all you care about is surviving. Like that's you're not gonna, you're not playing the game, right? Like, <laughs> and but unless you start playing your character as a coward, which I also enjoy. I love getting yes. into like, I love being called out for a pattern. And then mm-hmm. being like, oh, no, actually, that's my character's personality instead. Like, <laughs> like the ultimate, like, it's like yes ending and justifying. It's like, hey, why do you keep pacing around the room? And you're like, didn't know I was doing that. Character needs a justification. Now I have something to go off of. Well, I'm really yeah. nervous because my wife's still in labor. And then you're like, <laughs> oh, shit. And now you're like, I'm a guy with an uh, impending child coming. And you're like, oh, there you go. Now we're cruising. This like, is a now- guy robbing a dungeon while his <laughs> wife's in labor. Guys, we gotta, guys, I know that this diadem hurry, is cursed hurry. or whatever. <laughs> hurry, guys, <laughs> hurry. <laughs> Roll for initiative. Um, she's going to fucking kill me. <laughs> Did you see the trailer for the Dungeons and Dragons movie that's coming out? I did. I did see it. What what were your thoughts? Well, here's my thoughts. I feel like it was a marvelification of D&D, and I am very much over Marvel. Mm-hmm. But it the D&D like wins some stuff in my book because the shit I hate about Marvel movies lately there's a ton of CGI, but that seems earned in a world where there's like it's magic and mites and monsters and, and, and all that. And then it's not all trippy space backgrounds the whole time. Like, and yes, and I love Michelle Rodriguez. Chris Pine is great that I don't know the actor's name, but who plays the Druid who, and you yeah. see an owl bear in the fucking trailer. Hugh Grant is a great villain. Paddington too is like one of his best roles. Like I'm very, I'm very intrigued by it. I am. If this movie came out eight years ago, I would be attaching like my own, my hopes and dreams to it. Yes. I've since learned like a lot of lessons in life of like uh, content can't save me. <laughs> like just like, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm not, I'm not like going to be, I'm not going to be let down by it. I'm prepared to be let down by it in a way. I I will I'll be super honest. I was caught off guard by how much I like w- like you know the last D and D movie was the Jeremy Irons you know Marlon uh, Wayans Marlon Wayans like <laughs> Thora Birch I think was in it like and it was it was a clusterfuck. It was like what the hell is going on? This one when when they had the the rock, sort of anachronistic rock music like let, let's be clear this is guardians of the galaxy for dungeons and dragons right exactly that's exact even chris pine even it being chris p in the lead yes <laughs> and what i think when when I, when I watched it i went oh shit this cuz you know i'll reserve judgment until it comes out but i went this I, I think i will give these props looking at that trailer this is the only way a D&D movie could work. Good fucking. That's the right reference because you can't make a dark like uh, no. 
intense like D and D drama with action. Like it has to be. It's a kids' property. It has to be like that four quadrant yes. kid adjacent movie. Kudos to like everyone working on this property, right? Because let's let's talk about what the struggle. Like everyone at at you know on, on like at E one or whatever. Like all the people working on this. Talk about trying to like drive you know a fucking oil tanker through some coral reefs in terms right. of like <laughs> right. because essentially here what what are they bound in by right so they can't do the stranger things approach right for 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 like branding reasons a lot of other reasons i feel like dnd doesn't want to show split reality yeah because because the second you do split reality your audience goes into two camps people who only give a shit about the fantasy or people who only give a shit about the people playing the game and there's two right. good kind of emotional arguments because you're like well these people are real in the games of fantasy so why care about the fantasy and then there's the people that are like I came for swords, man. I don't give a shit about this group of friends resolving a, like a breakup or someone's right. moving, right? Like, I would argue, yeah, you, the only way to have the stakes uh, is to remove the game element too of like, like it, now that it's just, these are people, not avatars of children in a basement. Like, so, yeah. so then you remove that, right? And then you're immediately left with the problem, which is that everything recognizable about D&D is the meta stuff, like dice, character sheets, pencils. Like D&D has some incredible campaign settings some incredible IP, but those those IP, you know, it, it's its campaign settings are defined to be unlimited sandbox worlds full of adventure. Yeah, there are some main characters. There's Dritz. There's like Raceland. There's you know, but for the most part, D and D worlds are supposed to be home to unlimited adventure, which presents a real problem when you're trying to make just one movie, like. What is Star Wars if Luke and Leia aren't the main characters? What the right. fuck? What the fuck is Middle Earth if Frodo's not the main character? So, you, so I feel like the people that made this D and D movie had this huge hurdle of like, well, shit. How do we make a movie that feels like D and D where you can't see dice and character sheets? And I think the answer was very obviously: you tell a straight fantasy story, but you have to be funny. Because people, when they're playing D&D, even when they're playing it very emotionally, it's fun. It's a yeah. game, right? Yeah. You need to have, it needs to be a little lighter than, although I will give them credit, like, what's it called? Like, D&D colon honor among thieves or whatever? Yes. yes Start yes, looking yes. at these, like, fucking one-shot templates and, you know, and then next thing you know, like, you make another one and... uh you got the D and D extended universe. You make another one, and Chris Pine is like loose, or something that happens in this is loosely attached to an. It, it's a very doable world. Yes, like and and you know that's someone's job is trying to figure out how we make the D D E U. Like yeah. that's so obvious that that's that's an end game result, uh, like an end game option here. But it does kind of. Because, like you're saying, the big open worldness of it all is like we can just whip to Icewind Dale for the next one. It doesn't even have to be recognizable. It doesn't have to be Driz Bruner and Wolfgar and Caddybury. It could be some other. We could use Forgotten Realms people. We could use the, or it could just be like here's seven new celebrities that we all love now. And the other thing I think they had to do in addition to making it fun is a party. It had yes. to be a party. Yes. And like. That is a given. Like that's in, like that's what makes D and D strong is that all the shit we were talking about the team that. So like that was the one thing it had to be, and the trailer does a good job of like we'll need strength, 
We'll need courage. Yeah. We'll need magic. We'll need, and then like the druid, like whatever that is. Like it's very, it's very fun and very, and seeing fucking Michelle Rodriguez as like a fucking tuned up fucking warrior. That shit got me. Right when she choked I was like, sick. I was like, that's kind of dope. And then it's like, uh, he's clearly a bard. They don't because he's carrying the loot. He, we don't see him do anything. He gets roasted about playing the loot in the trailer, and you're like. See, they—that's the little tongue-in-cheek bard reference you got there. The mimic, the uh, the treasure chest—that's yes. a, a living creature. We yes. see an owl bear. We see uh, the dude from Bridgerton do some badass paladin shit. It, the movie looks fun. It looks fun, but you're right. It looks—it ex- looks like Guardians of the Galaxy in fantasy instead of sci-fi. Exactly, and I think, like you're saying, it's like we see a bunch of shit that's cool, and I like like truly. I, I I was very surprised. I was like, this this looks so dope. And again, primarily too because of of like, oh, how do you show? Because I think there's this, this big distinction, right? Hollywood, of course, wants to think of Dungeons and Dragons as being IP, but we but the people who play D and D understand that really it's a medium. Right. It's sort of like. Right. Yeah. And, and there's so it's hard because, you know, like, remember, who's your favorite Dungeons and Dragons character? It's like there isn't one. It's like it's one. who I've played. Mine. Right. Yeah. My yeah, favorite exactly. Dungeons and Dragons is fucking mine. Right. Yeah. So, Cedric's a uh, Cedric, the fighter who's level nine and use dual wields maces. because yeah. He doesn't like blood. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and I, so you do that and you, you find that. So it's very interesting. But so it's like. Is it IP or is it a medium? And you know, it's, there's almost a challenge if you're going to do D and D. You're going to adapt D and D of like, welcome to books, the movie, where it's right. like, like, <laughs> how, wait, but there's so many stories within this. How do you pick just one? So, I think that was really smart. And I think that if I had to guess based on the trailer, the way they're going to make it feel like D and D, even though it's brand new character, like they are summoning an IP from nothing. It's brand new characters. Like you know, we don't know Chris Pine's character from like D and D lore. He's not playing, you know, like a plan. Eldrick the Bard that everyone yeah. knows. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it's, it's brand new IP. But I think what they're going to do is the stuff that we all recognize from the game. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they go to a tavern and do something tongue in cheek, like an obvious necromancer waiting to talk to them. And everyone's like, fuck that guy. What's that goblins deal? And go like, if they do that scene, you'll go, Oh, they did like, they did understand how to actually make this appeal to fans of D&D when there's not a shared language. All our tables are different. They'll, they'll definitely be, if they're smart, there'll be a scene where they divvy up prize. Yeah. Like there'll be a loot scene. Like there'll be like a, a L-O-O-T. There'll be uh, like, mm-hmm. oh, uh, oh, the axe is mine, dog. It's like, no, come on, you already have an axe. Like there, <laughs> there's got to be some moment like that, I think, as well. to play. You're right, to play in that world, to to give that's the fan service because it's not like hey although to be fair they could maybe have like uh um that's elminster's the sages tower like they could reference we could see a touch of a character like that we could hear about the mystique of some legendary heroes that we know from the but the, again that's like we're talking about D the game versus the books written in the world which is you know like sort of like that IP is all there for it's all available. Like, but right. is it Dragonlance? Is it Forgotten Realms? Is it Ravenloft? Is it all of them? Because it doesn't matter. And it's very like, tr- yeah. it's it's fucking tricky. I've been talking the amount of times I've said the name Bigby in my life, uncountable. 
I don't I don't know a goddamn thing about Bigby. I've been talking about this guy for 20 plus years. Dude, and- I, you're making me think that there's a line in the movie where someone goes, who the fuck is Bigby to the magician, <laughs> right. right? If they, like, if they are, like, if they, I, and I think that's like the move there because there's one line in the trailer other, other than just the fun stuff of like, oh, it's very clear, like the music and the and the saturation of the color, they're clearly making a reference to Guardians of the Galaxy. I think that the, the, the there's one line where it's, where Chris Pine says something like, we went too far this time. Like we've, we fucked up before we've tried to save the world, but sometimes not. And I'm like, okay, that's threading the needle. Like a group of people who are like, we're heroes kind of, cause that's every D and D group's experience. Right. It's because- like, we're technically heroes, but if this guy gets in our way, we're just going to slash his throat and storm out of here. <laughs> right? Yeah. Of being like, cause of the, cause of their lack of stakes in D and D that are inherent. Like the du- dungeon master is not going to be like, all right, you're all in jail for the next six <laughs> games. You know what I mean? Like there's, that element of like, well, I shoot the uh, I shoot the captain of the guard with my crossbow, and it's like, right, and you, oh well, yeah, I guess you do, <laughs> like, yeah, sure. you, because also it's a game played verbally, so you have moments where some, so, you know, it can be, it's very funny. You'll have something like, you know, your DM describes like a little baby, you know, dragon, and they take just too long describing it, and all of a sudden the party's like, "We're adopting the baby dragon." But right. if you just say something like, uh, "For f- uh, you guys see uh, four enemy combatants enter the room," well, you describe them as enemy combatants. I don't know their names. I don't know what their secret hopes and dreams are. Check this out, right? And like, <laughs> right. you know, it's so. I think elements of that of kind of like the weird DV, you know, DV between um and also the idea of like not only the the weird like murder hobo part but also sometimes just the like bozos part of just like wait a minute choices yeah Yeah, of just being like wait a minute i forgot they are trying to destroy the world and we've been flirting with this group of gnolls for 40 minutes like i gotta get you just cast lightning underwater and everyone you know what i mean it's like no you know like one of those things is gonna happen for sure i love shit like that where the dm's like dm's like okay just one last check you guys are in the oil factory and you want to cast fireball and the guy's like oh it's like not too late roll (laughs) you know you're like like love those moments exactly I was kind of stoked for the movie, but this conversation just got me more stoked. Uh, Brennan, dude, thank you for taking the time to talk to me about this shit. Uh, It's the most self-serving podcast out there, and I appreciate you helping me serve myself. A a joy. Talk to me about, or and talk to the shitheads, my listeners, about what you're doing over at uh, Dimension 20. Oh, well, hell yeah. So, so, uh, uh, not only can you see me and Gabrus and our friend Adam Conover on a recent episode of I'm Actually over on dropout.tv, uh, I run a show over there called Dimension 20. Uh, it's an actual play show where we play D&D, uh, and a bunch of other awesome tabletops. Uh, and we get comedians and improvisers and a bunch of the old college humor family to come and sit at the table. Uh, and we have a ton of adventures, uh, with different sort of like comedic premises to them. We did like Fantasy High, which was like a high school for adventures, like Breakfast Club meets D&D. <laughs> we did uh, Unsleeping City, which is like magical New York City. We did A Crown of Candy, which is like Game of Thrones set in Candyland. Um, <laughs> uh, really fucked up political intrigue with little gumdrop people. Um, and, awesome. Uh, uh, so a bunch of fun comedy mashup D&D things. Uh, uh, come check it out. Uh, you can check out some of our seasons for free at youtube.com slash Dimension 20 show. We have a bunch of episodes up there. And the 
rest are all over at dropout.tv, which is our awesome uh, streaming platform where you can uh, come support cool comedians doing awesome content. Ah, fuck yeah. It's pretty rad over there at Dropout. And if you're exclusively a fan of me for some reason, I am probably in a handful of dropout things so you, you yes. can at least get over there and if you're a completionist watch whatever handful of shit i've done for them behind this uh over there you would enjoy it but dude i it's i i have a dream job where i travel the country and eat and drink on someone else's dime and get paid for it and it's almost as cool as the fact that you get paid to do what like truly fuck, like it's just fucking uh, you know, it's just two different phases of my life. My 30s, I'd be stoked to have my restaurants underwritten. And in my teens, I would have loved to have been paid to play D&D. <laughs> uh, so, uh, speaking of which, uh, this episode airs on a Thursday. So that means tonight at 1030 on True TV, 101 Places to Party Before You Die. Me and my co-host Adam Pally hitting up cities across America, getting fucked up and showing you what it's like to be 40 and partying this hard. Uh, <laughs> It ain't, it ain't easy, folks. Uh, check that out wherever you like. If you have True TV, if not, um, you can buy a season on Amazon. We learned, or a lot of these, like uh, you could buy a season on Apple if you're a cord cutter. You can find it that way too. Uh, that being said, bye, shitheads. Hey, now that the episode is over, time to get a little serious. While Americans overwhelmingly support the right of an individual to make their own decisions about abortion, unfortunately, that right is no longer protected everywhere in the U.S. The Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade on June 24th. Whack. Abortion is a basic healthcare need for millions of people who can become pregnant. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. Even if you live in a state where abortion rights are upheld, access to safe medical procedures shouldn't be determined by location, and it shouldn't be the privilege of a small few. So you can help by donating to local abortion funds. To find out where to donate for each state, visit donationsforabortion.com. That's the number four. If you or someone you know needs help, or if you want to get more involved, here are five resources. One, Shout Your Abortion is a campaign to normalize abortion. Two, Don't Ban Equality is a campaign for companies to take a stand against abortion restrictions. Three, abortion.cafe has information about where to find clinics. Four, plancpills.org provide an early at-home abortion pills that you can keep in your medicine cabinet. And five, choice.crd.co has a collection of these resources and more. I encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. I think what this all fundamentally comes down to is let's just mind our own fucking business, okay? If somebody wants to do something to their body, uh, let them that's it it's their body we don't get to choose that for them that's called freedom remember okay this has been john gabris host of high and mighty saying thanks for listening to the episode and come on speak up take care and spread the word love you shitheads that was a headgum podcast <laughs> <laughs>